What if I told you that when it comes to software, most entrepreneurs unknowingly fail before they ever write a single line of code? Today on Guaranteed to Grow, I'm going to give you a crash course on how to validate your software idea in 30 days or less by doing the deep work first. You're listening to Guaranteed to Grow, the podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking for actionable steps they can take to validate, test, launch, and scale their software idea. I'm your host, Patrick Parker, a serial entrepreneur and multi-million dollar business owner that's passionate about helping entrepreneurs just like you. Expect to hear topics that will help you grow and expand your business in innovative ways that you would have never considered before. Let's dive in. Today, we're going to cover the top three reasons why most entrepreneurs fail, how to evaluate your target market and why it's important to niche down in the beginning. And then we're going to look at the framework that I use to validate ideas before spending the money to build an actual product. So before we get started, who am I and why should you listen to me? I'm your host with the most, Patrick Parker. And over the last five years, I've launched five different software companies, two of which are now venture-backed all of which are now generating over a million dollars in annual recurring revenue. So it's safe to say that I know a little bit about validating ideas, launching products, and ultimately scaling them to that coveted $1 million revenue mark. I started this podcast with the goal of helping entrepreneurs avoid the common pitfalls of starting a business by learning from my failures and ultimately my successes. And after working with hundreds of entrepreneurs, these are the three most common mistakes that I see in the marketplace. Number one, failing to research the market. Number two, failing to validate the business model. And number three, failure to retain customers. So let's dive into each one of those, starting with the failure to complete adequate market research. I see so many founders make assumptions that because they face a challenge in the market, or in the way that they operate, that everyone else must have the same problem. Nothing could be further from the truth. The operating environment, while it's the same, is not closely aligned with operations within that environment. So different companies can have different products, different processes, or different workarounds that they use in order to overcome the challenges that are faced by their competitors. So making an assumption that just because you have a problem in your business, that everyone else may suffer from the same affliction is a surefire way to end up taking a product to market that there's just not a need for. The next thing, know your competitors. So you've probably heard the quote from Mark Andreessen that software is eating the world. And it's true. The probability that another company is already tackling the same problem that you're trying to solve is extremely high. There's over 25,000 software as a service products with around 1,000 new ones being built each and every single year. So what that means is that it is highly competitive and also highly saturated. So I can't tell you how many times I've had founders come to me and say, there's virtually no competition in my industry, only for me to jump on and do a quick Google search to find a whole slew of competitors. And it just goes back to, doing the research. If they would have taken the time to do a quick Google search to actually look for competition within their market, they likely would have found it. And a lot of times it's to the detriment of their company. 
they get out there, they launch a product. It's not differentiated. They don't understand the ICPs and they try to move forward with it and they fall flat on their face. Whether it's in the beginning, whether it's a year down the road, inevitably they come to the realization that there is no need for their product in the market. You've probably heard this before, but if your product doesn't solve a problem, you have a problem. The next thing would be to know your customers. So, so many people forget this crucial step, and it really is the most critical step in determining whether or not you have a viable business idea. So you need to go as deep as possible when defining your ideal customer profiles and your buyer personas. And more importantly, you need to know the difference between the two. So ideal customer profiles for people that aren't familiar, define who your perfect customer is for the problem that your product solves. Okay. Examples would be what industry are they in? How big is the company? What type of revenue are they generating? Where's their location? Budget? Employee headcount? What tech stack are they using? What's the size of their customer base, et cetera? Buyer persona, on the other hand, is going to actually identify who the decision makers are within those companies that will utilize your product to receive the benefits from implementing your product within their organization. So those are going to be tied more closely to job titles, how long they've been at the company. Is that person uh, senior enough to make decisions or to have budgetary control? What challenges do they face? What KPIs are they responsible for, et cetera? So know the difference between the two, understand your ICP, and then go further into crafting messages for those specific buyer personas. The second biggest mistake that I see is failing to validate the business model. And what I mean by that is, can you find a scalable marketing channel to acquire customers? In order to to operate a high growth software company, you need to have a scalable go-to-market strategy. You need to have a scalable marketing strategy. And you need to basically build a machine where you can reliably stick in a dollar and get $3 in return. You can stick in a hundred, get 300, a thousand, 3000, whatever that spend is, you understand what the ROI is going to be, right? Once you've identified that channel, then you need to understand whether or not you can monetize your users at a higher rate than it costs to acquire them. So what does your customer acquisition cost look like? What is the lifetime value of your customers? Understanding that ratio, your CAC to LTV, is extremely important in determining whether or not you have a scalable business model. So if your customer acquisition cost is higher than your lifetime value, then you're basically burning money. If your lifetime value is significant enough and your customer acquisition cost can be controlled uh, at a lower price, then inevitably you're going to make money, right? And then you also have something called your customer acquisition cost payback time or your CAC payback time. How much does it take you to recoup the amount of money that it costs you uh, to actually acquire a new client? So you need to understand what your customer acquisition cost is, how long it takes to recoup that, and how long or how much is your customer valued at over the lifetime of the relationship that they have with you. And so those ratios obviously play into the next piece, which is having a sound understanding of what your unit economics are. So if you price your product too low, you won't generate enough revenue to scale. Most entrepreneurs make the mistake of underpricing their products significantly, but that's another conversation for another day. So let's go backwards 
from that million dollar milestone that's so coveted uh, are coveted by software entrepreneurs. If you know that your goal is to reach a million dollars, then you can look at the unit economics of your actual product and understand what do I need to sell in order to hit that milestone, right? So if you're looking at products that are priced uh, between $3,000 to $6,000 a year on an annual contract value, then I can figure out, okay, at $6,000, I need to sell X to X number of customers in order to reach that goal. So it becomes very obtainable and very actionable, which is the most important thing. The third top mistake that I see entrepreneurs make is once you have actually won those customers, is a failure to retain them. So high churn is a company killer. And for those that aren't familiar with the word churn, it basically describes the customers and more importantly, the revenue that is lost due to canceled subscriptions. So it's no secret that it costs more to acquire a new customer than it does to retain an existing one, which is why the real work begins after you've actually won a client and closed a deal. So it's paramount at this stage that you can leverage their success with your product to develop success stories, to develop case studies and testimonials that will help you then acquire additional customers and potentially reduce the cost of your customer acquisition. So if you can get that right, you can basically turn in one customer to 10, 10 into 100, 100 into 1,000, and continue to grow and scale. Because with each new customer that you win, you're winning the opportunity, you're winning the social proof to then work with other uh, buyers within your ideal market. So each win should give you the momentum to continue going out and earning new business. So just a quick recap of those top three mistakes and how to avoid them more importantly. Number one, just research your market. Number two, make sure you validate that your business model is scalable. And number three, just make sure that you keep the customers that you work so hard to win. The second thing that I want to talk about today is how to evaluate the opportunity and why you should niche down, especially in the beginning. And I want to start with the three acronyms that you need to be familiar with especially if you're planning on going the venture capital route, raising money from friends and family, going angel investors, et cetera, in order to build your product and ultimately take it to market. Those three acronyms are TAM, SAM, and SOM. Your TAM is going to be your total addressable market. And that's going to refer to the maximum amount of revenue that a business can possibly generate by selling their product or service in a specific market. It's useful in estimating the growth potential of the market And that's one of the reasons that I pay close attention to another acronym, which is the CAGR, C-A-G-R, stands for Compound Annual Growth Rate. So when analyzing a specific industry that I'm looking at potentially entering into with a new product, I want to understand, is this a high growth industry? Is there demand? Is it continuing to evolve? And is innovation happening within this specific uh, sector? And if the answer is yes, then you should have a strong cager uh, upwards of 10%, which is a a great indicator around the capital investment that's actually occurring within that specific industry. Uh, The second acronym that you need to know is your serviceable addressable market. That's your SAM. And that refers to the estimated market share that your company could realistically capture, right? Those are the people that you could realistically serve that would potentially benefit from your 
product. And so you're starting out here and the macro with your TAM, you're shrinking into your SAM. These are the, the people that you have a potential to serve. And then you're going further down uh, to your serviceable obtainable market, which is your SOM. And so that's really the tricky one because unless you're a monopoly, which is illegal, you won't be able to capture a hundred percent of your serviceable addressable market, right? Even if you only have one competitor, it would still be extremely difficult to convince an entire market to only buy your product or service. And that's why it's crucial to measure your serviceable obtainable market to determine how many customers would realistically benefit from your product or your service. And that's going to be driven by uh, your ICPs. It's going to be driven by the size of the company, whether they have the budget to afford it. They may not be at a stage where it makes sense to actually invest in your product. So some number of those uh, customers that fall into your SOM will not be obtainable. And you need to understand uh, who those folks are and why they may not be interested in buying, whether that is your ability to penetrate the market and to disseminate messaging that resonates, whether that is you know, not understanding what channels are the most viable or the most useful for your marketing message to be promoted. Uh, there's a number of reasons. The next thing under this category would be why you should niche down. And so niching down sounds and feels counterintuitive at first. And the idea of scaling down to then scale up sounds just plain crazy, but I'll get to that in a minute. So for those that don't know, a niche is a, a specialized segment of the market for a particular kind of product or service. And the reason that we recommend niching down is because when you try to serve everyone, you end up serving no one. And I'll give a couple of exa examples that are tied back to, to health and fit fitness uh, where we have some venture back products. So, for example, if I was going to launch a new customer relationship management product, a new CRM, uh, I would need to pick a niche because... The market of CRM products as a whole is extremely saturated, right? There's a lot of competition. There's some very mature products in that space. And so if I had to pick a niche, I could niche down and say, our tool is designed to be the CRM for fitness professionals. And that's extremely specific in terms of targeting and in terms of building out your brand messaging, your narrative, uh, and even some of your marketing channels. So specialization is a, a great way to differentiate uh, from your competitors. And it starts with getting specific. So having a sound elevator pitch, understanding how to deliver that, how to communicate what it is that you do, who you help, uh, and what type of people, what type of benefits that your customers can expect to receive. So from an elevator pitch perspective, I specialize in helping blank do blank. I'll give you a couple of examples of that from, from companies that we have raised capital for. Uh, the first one is, is Spring, which is a health and wellness company. Spring helps health and wellness professionals scale their businesses through online group training. So we basically took trainers that were running one-on-one -on -one programs online, helped them modify that content so that they could reach more people and service more people. And so that's where group training came in. Instead, they're able to run scalable uh, programs that are highly automated uh, and focus on the entire client experience. 
And so that's something that, that took really well. We identified the, the need, tested the waters, and then have been scaling it ever since. Another good example is uh, another company that we created is called Huddle Up. Huddle Up is a, a team resource management platform that is focused on team communication, resource sharing, um, and, and growing sales teams. So Huddle Up helps direct sales leaders mobilize their sales teams. So it's that easy. But again, something that you can you know, repeat time and time again, that is very short, very concise, but most importantly, articulates the mission of the company and who you service. And the last topic that I want to cover on this episode is the framework that I use in my business to build seven and eight figure software products, and then how you can put what we covered into practice. The first step is to find out who your biggest competitors are. We talked about this a little bit above and some of the mistakes that are made, but the importance of competitor research is that it focuses on finding and comparing key metrics uh, that help identify the differences between the products and services that you will be offering and those of your competitors. So in order to go to market, you need to be able to differentiate yourself from the other companies that are already existing. And in order to do that, you need to understand what's driving those decisions. You need to understand what shortcomings they potentially have, uh, where you have an opportunity to compete with them. So that's where things like a SWOT analysis come into play, understanding what your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and and threats are existing within the, the marketplace so that you can determine how you can actually go out and compete. The second thing is identify your ideal customers and engage with them. So I'll tell you a quick story uh, from my dad. When I was starting out in business, going to job interviews, things like that, my father used to always tell me that the worst thing that anyone can tell you is no. And it's so true. And I think so many people have a hard time having the tough conversations, um, but they're extremely crucial in extracting as much information as possible through interviews, surveys, questionnaires, uh, feedback, panel discussions. There's a million places and a million ways or methods of, of actually collecting that feedback, but it's an extremely necessary step if you want to succeed. The third step would be compile a list of prospects. So with your ICP defined, understand who fits the profile. Build a list and then determine how to best connect with them. Where do they hang out? Facebook groups. Facebook pages, LinkedIn groups, um, looking at different ways that you can interact and engage with those people in order to, again, uh, understand more about the pain points and challenges that they face within the industry and how you can craft a solution and, more importantly, an offer that will actually speak to and resonate with them. The fourth step involves building a strong brand narrative uh, that also resonates with your potential customers. This is basically just an authentic story that effectively communicates your purpose to your audience. So again, this is where things like your elevator pitch and understanding pain points and being able to speak to those and the solutions that uh, you can offer them in order for them to alleviate those pain points. The fifth thing is going to be defining the goals and selecting the metrics for validation. This is possibly the more, most crucial step because at the end of the day, you're running an experiment. You are trying to validate whether or not your idea is viable. And in order to do that, you have to collect data 
you have to have evaluation criteria around that data. So this can be anything from the number of email signups, the number of pre-orders, uh, waiting lists. This can be number of uh, downloads that you have to, to lead magnets, which is a terrible one, by the way. But there's a number of different metrics out there that you can select in order to actually validate your criteria. But at the end of the day, what you're just trying to figure out is how am I going to measure the results so that I can determine whether or not the test or the experiment was successful. After that, the sixth thing that you want to do is actually promote your message. So let people know what you're building. It's always better to build in public because you can collect more feedback. So many people are hesitant to do that. You see so many different startups uh, in stealth mode. Uh, but again, it's, it's, they're missing an opportunity to actually collect feedback. And they're going way down the process before understanding they're in need. The market accept this uh, as a viable solution. So promoting your message. I can't tell you how many different companies we've worked with where they've already uh, been generating 10 to 20 to 30, 40,000 a month in monthly recurring revenue just through pre-sales. So if you have an offer that is irresistible and you understand the, the pain points that your clients have, whether that's finance-based, whether that's performance-based, whether that's efficiency-based, then you can basically find the intersection of those three uh, pain points. And that's how you craft that perfect offer. And from that point in time, as you go out to sell and to actually test the market, you can begin with pre-sales, uh, which is a great way to, to grow your MRR from day one. Um, and then the last thing, the last step in the process is to evaluate your findings. So you've, assuming you've done everything right up to this point, you've crafted a good message, you understand who your customers are, you've got a list of prospects, uh, you've got the goals for validation, you've gone out and promoted your message uh, wherever possible, it all comes down to, is it viable? Is your idea viable? If the answer is yes, then kudos to you. You're ready to start building an MVP. If the answer is no, then it's time to ask, did the messaging not resonate? Did the promotion not reach the customers that we were targeting? There could be any number of reasons within this process that cause your, your experiment not to connect with the people that it was intended to. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that your idea is dead in the water, that it, it is not viable. It could be that you need to go back to the drawing board in order to tweak some of the uh, messaging, some of the targeting, some of the, the ICP definition, et cetera, so that you can go back out and restart and reiterate through the process again uh, in order to take a second look. So I always do this with every episode. I always end with a quote. And for today, I picked one from Benjamin Franklin. It's one of my absolute favorites because out of the 91% of startups that fail, I think 50% of those at least uh, fail due to a lack of planning and doing the actual deep work first. And so the quote from, from Ben Franklin is, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. And so long story short, do the deep work first, front load as much of the effort as possible while you're actually validating the idea to determine whether or not you can reliably build a product within an industry that has a demand for it.
So before I leave today, share this episode with, with fellow entrepreneurs. Make sure you hit the subscribe button for a chance to win one-on-one coaching with me, as well as an annual subscription to all the tools that I use to validate, test, launch, and scale my software products. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in on today's episode. I had a blast recording it for you, and I hope that you found some really great takeaways. 